If you were here last week, we were in Psalm chapter 7. And in Psalm 7, uh, we're reminded that we can lament. Last week, that's what we were talking about. In the Psalms, we are reminded that we, we have to lament. We can't short-circuit the process of lament immediately trying to solve all of our problems in life. There's going to continually be problems. And so the Psalms give us space to complain. But also, we need gratitude in our life. We need gratitude. We need to reflect daily on the things for which we can, in fact, be grateful. We need to do that. And there's power in gratitude in our life. Not only do we need gratitude, we need each other. We need each other. In order to get through this extended difficult time and difficult times in life, we need each other. We need the people of God. Gratitude and relational connectedness is what God calls us to. It's what God offers us. And this is why we need connection to the body, to the church. And whether you can come in person or you are not able to come with us in person yet, we need connection to the body. So whether you can come to a community group on Tuesday nights or a women's group or Spanish group on Wednesday night or the Zoom prayer group on Thursday nights, one of the ways that God wants for you to be encouraged this week is in connection with others. And that's what we see in Psalm 8, actually. Psalm 8 is a community hymn of praise. It's when the church gathers together and sings God's praises. And it says, to the choir master. This is corporate praise. Now, when you think of the choir master, what do you think of? I think of, in some ways, back when I was a kid and I sang in the choir. Any of you ever sang in choir before? I miss those days. And when I think about choir, like super powerful choirs, what do you think of? You think of the gospel choirs with their power. Why? Because of the gospel. And in gospel choirs, I was listening to this one gospel choir this morning from Iglesia Presbiteriana San Andres, and they have this song called, uh, Come and Go With Me to My Father's House, or He Has Done Marvelous Things, or Jesus Can Work It Out. We're reminded that we need gratitude, that we can together praise the Lord. And so this morning in Psalm 8, this is a community of Him of praise to the Lord. And this is what it says in Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And it ends, the very ending of Psalm 8. Again, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is an inclusio. Beginning and ending with the same lines of praise. And David is calling us to praise our God in gratitude and our relational connectedness together this morning. And so I want for us to consider three reasons, three reasons that we can praise the Lord this morning. And then I want us to think about why we need to see Jesus himself in order to praise God this morning. So three reasons and then why we need to see Jesus. But first, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, This is your word. We worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so by your Spirit, work through your word this morning that we might see you, Jesus, that we might be able to praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. So the first reason that we can praise the Lord this morning, no matter where we're coming from, the first reason we can praise the Lord is because he is the mighty king over all of his creation. 
This is what the Scripture tells us. In verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. All of the earth. And then it says, You have set Your glory above the heavens. The earth and the heavens. Notice, when it says here before that, O Lord, our Lord. We may think that that's a mere repetition because it says, O Lord, our Lord, but in your Bible, one is caps, and the other one, it's like all, it's large, o cap, all caps. And the next one is smaller. What it is, it's two different words. The first one is, O Lord, it's Yahweh. And the second word for Lord is Adonai, which is talking about God's rule, His power, His authority. And so what David here is saying is that we praise Yahweh, our King. We can praise our covenant Lord, our King. We praise the promise-making, powerful King. That's who we praise this morning. And you notice again here it says, Yahweh our King, because you are the powerful King, Lord. Your your majesty is, and your name is in all the earth. But it's also above all the heavens. This is called a merism. This morning I was getting um, gas at the gas station. And this person had this wonderful Seattle Seahawks shirt on. And uh, I looked at it and I said, those Seahawks are going to do great this year. And the lady looked back at me and she said, yeah, next week we've got to play those cowgirls. And I said, you're right, but you know what? The Seahawks have the best quarterback in the NFL right now. He is by far on the air the best thrower and by on the land the best runner. What am I saying? Russell Wilson is the best quarterback all around right now. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's called a merism. On land and on, uh, uh, on air and on land, he's the best. What, what this is Psalm is saying, in the heavens and the earth, God, our King, is the majestic, powerful God that we worship because He is the greatest. <laughs> that's what the Scripture is telling us. It's a merism, the sum total of creation. It shows off his beauty. It shows off his goodness, his greatness. Verse 3 mentions the heavens, including the moon the, uh, and the stars, as his, um, merely being the work of his hands. It's just the work of his hands, is what it says. It's interesting, because we talk about this great God who makes the creation, the, the universe, and it's all but the work of God's finger is the way it talks about it. We praise him because just by his fingers, so to speak, he doesn't have fingers, we know that, but, but like anthropomorphically speaking, it says by his fingers he created, just like it didn't take a lot of work. The idea that you get from Psalms and the idea that you get from Genesis about God is that it wasn't really difficult for him to create the universe or to create our world. And this is important because we have to understand the Psalms and Genesis in contrast to the ancient Near Eastern world. In the ancient Near Eastern world, they had these creation myths about how the gods created the world. And so in the ancient creation myths, there was the Egyptians who had been the slave masters of the people of God. There were the Canaanite neighbors who constantly, uh, the the, uh, Israelites were constantly going to worship their gods. And then you had the Assyrians who were coming to be the, the big guys in the land. And in Egypt, one of the main gods was, a, was the sun god named Ra. And the sun god, he was born every morning from the goddess Nut. 
And at the end of the day, Nut ate raw every single day. Uh, in Canaan, the promised land, Baal and Anat were the gods who, who constantly engaged in sexual activity, acted out in the temples, of course, to bring new creation and new life. Or you look at the Assyrian uh, religions about the creation. In the Assyrian and Babylon world, it was the god Marduk who slayed the goddess sea monster Tiamat. And she, he created all of the universe out of his, her carcass. See the contrast between the ancient Near Eastern uh, views of, the, of how the world was created. Violence, struggle, sex, carcasses. This is how in the ancient world the heavens and the earth and the seas are made by all the different gods. But in contrast, Yahweh, our king, our mighty king, what did he do? He merely spoke and it came into existence. It's as if it was just the work of his fingers. And the mystery, the greater mystery than all of that is that the mystery is that the, out of the outflow of the creative love of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this God, He created the universe. Not out of violence, but He is our good King of creation. And so we can praise the Lord this morning because He is the King over His creation even still. We like to go do Cloudcroft um, pretty regularly because we like to see the trees. And, um, but we also like to see at night, you can go out in the desert too, but you see all of the stars. You see the Milky Way, that massive galaxy, and we take our kids out there, and you know the Milky Way on that, ga- that band, if you've seen it, it's a band of 200 to 400 billion stars that are in our galaxy just spinning out there. 200 to 400 billion stars. And all of these billion stars and these billions of galaxies that we have in this universe, they are said to be just the work of his fingers. How does that make you and me feel this morning? To think about that. And this gets to our second reason for praising God this morning. When you look at the the majesty of his creation, it being just the work of his hands, How does it make you feel? Verse 3 and 4. When I look at your heavens, when I look at the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? See, this morning we can also praise the Lord because He cares for us. He cares for you, even though you and me are frail. He cares for us, even though we are frail and small in this massive galaxy. He cares for you. There are various words in the Hebrew Scripture for human, for for man, humanity. But this word man here, it's, it's intentionally used to highlight our frailty, our smallness. Our mortality. And so I think about the times when I hold my small children and we look at the, the stars and I look at them and I hear them say, wow. And I myself with them feel so small. And you know, it is good to sometimes for us to feel small. However, here, the greatest of the mysteries that we have is not that you and I are so small in this vast universe. 
in the scope of this universe. But the great mystery is that our God and His love is so big. His love is so vast for you and for me. His love is so big that the one who flung the billions of stars in the billions of galaxies loves and cares about you and me. What am I that you are mindful of me? Who am I that you care for me? One of the things this means for us is that you and me, dear brothers and sisters, beloved in Christ, our identity, it is not achieved by what we do. It has been received by God. Our worth is received by God. It is not achieved by the things that we do this day and this week. Because you think about it, what difference, what difference could you and I make in the universe to make the creator of the universe to smile at you? What difference could we do by our achievements? No. The great mystery is that the one who flung the galaxies into existence is mindful of you. And we can praise Him for that this morning. That in our smallness, He still is mindful of us. I don't know. Maybe this is hard for you to believe this morning. Maybe it's hard to experience in your life. Maybe you grew up in a Bible-believing church. Maybe you grew up with the catechism and you knew the sovereignty and the bigness of God. But my question for you this morning is, do you really know, do you really know that He is mindful of you, that Jesus loves you personally, specifically? And here's the proof for us that He does. The proof for us that He does is, in fact, nothing else than the incarnation of Jesus. The coming in the flesh of Jesus, the very Son of God. That the King of the universe is mindful of us because you know what He did? He came and He dwelt among us. He lived with us. John 1 tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That Word is Jesus. The eternal Son of God took on our humanity. He took on our frailty. He took on our weakness. And that's how you and I know that He's mindful of us this morning. That's how we know. And so we can praise Him because He truly is mindful of you in your human frailty this morning. So third reason that we can praise the Lord. We can praise the Lord because even in our weakness, even in our weakness, He makes us kings and queens over creation. He gives us rule and authority, dominion. He's given that to us. And we can praise Him for that. What do we mean? In this scripture here, there's this absurdity of talking about out of the mouth of babies and out of the mouth of infants that these are being used to establish strength for God. It sounds absurd, but he's saying, but this is how our God works. In that absurdity, in in verse 5 and 6, he gets even deeper into explaining it. He says, talking about humanity, talking about you and me, he says, yet you have made us a little lower than the heavenly brings and crowned us crowned us with glory and honor. You have given Him dominion, that is, authority to rule over the works of your hands. Do you hear the language here? He's saying we're crowned with glory and honor and dominion over the works of your 
hands. That's kingship language. It's saying that we are kings and queens. Even in our frailty, the Lord, the Creator, actually makes you and me royalty. With dominion, we rule as theologians talk about as vice-regents. We rule the world as kings and queens. And this is hard for us to understand and believe. But there are some really incredible implications of this. Uh, Theologian Richard Pratt. He said, if you and I, if you and I understood that we, uh, that when you see another person, you see royalty. Think about what difference that would make. You see somebody and you see a king, a queen. You see royalty. Richard Pratt says, you end up going up to complete strangers and you might bow to them and say, your majesty. Everywhere you go, we look at people and we say of them, your majesty. Everyone is uh, created in God's image. And we say from the womb to the tomb in El Paso and in Juarez and all over the world, everyone that you and I meet is royalty. Everyone. My mom is a wound care nurse, and she's a really, really good one. And part of the reason that she's a really good wound care nurse is because she doesn't smell, and she can't smell any of those things, and she also really likes pus and wounds and gashes and all those things. She really enjoys them. But there's another reason that she's a really great nurse. And the reason that my mom is a really great nurse is because when she sees people, she sees them as royalty. She sees them as created in God's image. And so sometimes she dresses the wounds of a homeless woman in her clinic. Sometimes she's dressed the wounds of prisoners. Sometimes she's dressed the wounds of people who look down upon her as being from a lower class because she's actually serving them and cleaning their wounds. But she treats them with royal dignity. Homeless women, royalty. Prisoners, royalty. People who think that they're better than you, in a better class than you, we treat them with royalty and dignity. And in this doing, when my mom treats people this way, she's actually, and you and I, when we treat people this way, we are actually exercising the dominion and the authority that God has given us to exercise in this world. And so we can praise the Lord because He has created us to be kings and queens who rule over this creation. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, out of weaklings, our small babblings, God establishes strength. But I hear that and I say, no, I don't want it to be that way. No. When you think of uh, the movie The Lord of the Rings, I like to use these quotes because I've been reading The Lord of the Rings a lot lately. And uh, in this, there's the hobbits at the end. These little halflings with their tiny little uh, furry feet. And what are they the ones? They're the ones that are chosen to go up to the mountain of doom and throw away that evil ring and destroy the forces of evil. In the same way, in our smallness, in our weakness, God chooses to use us. 
This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human might, be, might boast in the presence of God. And so this morning, my brothers and sisters, we can praise the Lord because this is how God chooses to work in the world. And He will get the glory from our weak and small efforts exercising dominion in all the weak and small things that we do. And personally, I push against this. I want to push against this in this weakness every day. But like Paul, we remain and we say, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is what the Scriptures tell us. And so we can praise the Lord this morning. Because when I am weak, when you are weak, when you are weak, that is when He is leading you to exercise your kingly and His kingly dominion in the world. In the weakness of children, He establishes strength. In the weakness, in our weaknesses, He silences His and our great enemies. And what we have to understand is that to be able to praise our God for that, it takes faith in Jesus. It takes faith in Jesus to conclude, consider our faith in Jesus in this psalm. You see, when we we think about faith in Jesus, we come to the point where we first must recognize that this world is a broken place. We don't, we don't, when we talk about praising the Lord, we don't pretend that there are not problems, that we don't have problems. We don't pretend that. In the Bible story, we have to reckon with, with creation and what we call the fall. But I think oftentimes the fall is not the best term. Here's an example of why. So, my son, uh, who just turned three, he has all these toys that he gets thrown everywhere in the backyard. And this is what I tell him to do. I say, Hebron, you need to go and pick up your toys. You need to go pick up your toys right now. And so what does he start to do? He sees his toys. He starts to walk. And he takes a step. And dramatically, he flails on the ground. And he starts rolling. And he says, I falled. I falled. I falled. And I say, buddy, you did not fall, you rebelled. You're not accidentally falling, you're actively rebelling. And the truth is, in our humanity, we actually became God's enemies. After Adam and Eve fell and they rebelled, they were the first kings and queens, and they rebelled. They They became the usurpers against God. And in Babel, what did we do? We focused all of our efforts in dominion to build a tower to heaven so that we could try to wrestle God down and take him off the throne. And this is what the pagan and the ancient world and even the secular world thinks about it. Is we see the universe as one of chaos and destruction and hopelessness. We see that world because according to scripture, we're the ones that caused that world in our failure as kings and queens. We see that world. We do not deny that that world exists. We're the usurper kings who made the mess. 
But the Bible gives us good news this morning. Because Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, quotes this psalm and says, This psalm is all about Jesus. That it's all about Jesus. We're told in Hebrews 2 that of the second Adam, the true human king, the true human king, Jesus Christ. And so what I want you to know this morning is that if you can see Jesus, if you can see Jesus with the eyes of faith, you can praise him this morning. If you see Jesus with the eyes of faith, you can praise God this morning. Because after uh, Hebrews, it quotes Hebrews chapter 2 verse 8, quotes this psalm. Verses 4 to 6. And after quoting it, it says, after the end of it, it says, You have put all things under Jesus' feet. All things are under Jesus' feet. And this is what Hebrews says. At the present time, we do not yet see everything in subjection to Him. But we see Him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So what Hebrews is telling us and what this psalm would tell us is that if you and I can see Jesus with the eyes of faith, you can praise God today. He entered the suffering. He entered our weakness. He entered the fray and he died But now He is risen in glory and honor and power and crowned as the majesty on high. And He will, in fact, come again. And so if you see Jesus with eyes of faith today, you can praise God. You can praise Him. During the Thirty Years' War in the 1600s, and I close with this, there was a pastor named Martin Rinkhart. And in the Thirty Years' War, plague broke out. And war broke out. And famine broke out. And Pastor Rinkert, he did the funeral of the other pastors in his town. And he ended up doing around 30 to 40 funerals a day. And did 4,000 funerals during the war. Plague, famine, war. And sometimes there wasn't even enough food to feed his family. But in all of this... In all of that was going on, he wrote a poem for his children. And he turned that poem into a hymn that is sung oftentimes. And it goes like this. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices. And so this morning, if you see Jesus with the eyes of faith, then you can praise the Lord today no matter what no matter what you are going through. Amen.